You're happy to be in church. Can I hear a hallelujah? Whoop, whoop. Come on, can I hear a praise the Lord? Amen, amen. We'll see my smile because it's about ready to get serious. I asked you guys last week to write down 10 things with 10 scriptures. So I'm going to ask that everybody who was here last week, either in the first service or the second service, please stand. Everybody who was here last week, either in a first service or a second service, to please stand. Okay, thank you. How many of you can come up to the front like I asked you last week to prepare to do so, either by your phone or with your handwritten journal? Show me 10 things you're believing God's power to accomplish in your life. If you can, come forward now. The rest of you sit down because you break your pastor's heart. And I'm going to show you how serious that is in just a moment. Show me your 10 things. And scriptures. God bless you. Here's a $10 gift card. I want to tell you thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. $10 gift card. You are amazing. Now, the rest of you, I'm going to ask you a question that we're here. Okay, come on. One more. Let's give it up for Janice. Thank you. Praise God. That definitely counts. That's 10 right there. Let's give it up for Janice. Oh, do we got another one coming? Come on right here. Yesenia, Jennifer, you, I was so close. Jennifer, you got it? Let me see your 10. Let's give it up for Jennifer one more time. Forgive me. Sorry. Much, much better. Only one person in the first service. Now, I want to tell the rest of you why you break my heart, and I'm not smiling yet. It's okay to take it lightly, break the tension, but I'm being very serious with you right now. I care about you too much to make you think that that's okay with me. When I, as a pastor, stand before you and ask you to do things, a specific thing that's going to make a difference in your life, that kind of thing should not be taken lightly. You would not do that for your job. And you have to understand, I should not have to bribe you to do it. It is for you that you do it. Now I have to take another step further to really be honest with you. Many of you, your marriages are messed up because you don't do this. You're going back to the counselor because you don't do this. Your finances are not right, and I don't mean rich people or blessed people. I just mean your finances aren't right because you don't do this. And you're wondering why Christianity doesn't work, and I'm telling you it's because you're not working the Word. The Bible always works. It has always worked. It will always work. My life of 20 years as a Christian has proved it. There is no argument you can say against me to disprove my experience. I have seen what Christianity has done. For those of you who were not here last week, let me tell you what the homework assignment was. We're learning in the Bible about being enlightened to things, enlightened to hope, enlightened to an inheritance. And it was going to conclude today the section about enlightenment, enlightened to power. And I needed people to put down things. Things that God's power will conform to. God's power moves through things, and God's power moves through his word. So I said, get 10 things in your scriptures, what you're believing God's power to do in your life, so that it can be done according to his will, because not my will, but your will be done should be our prayer. Now, those of you who stood and I said you break my heart, it's because you wear out our counselors. You wear out the altar, though you're always welcome to come to the altar to the pastors, but you wear it out. And then some of you, you complain so much, and yet you do so little. And then you tell me you're busy, but your Facebook status shows that's a lie. You say you're so busy, but your overtime at your job shows that's a lie. Now, at this point, you can push back and say, well, those things are more important to me, my Facebook, my friends, my job. But I'm here to tell you that you are doing it wrong. You're doing life wrong. You're not the first person to have to hold down a job and a family and come to church. This is what Christianity has been built on. As a matter of fact, me getting paid to be a professional preacher is an oddity to the Bible because like Paul and many others of the apostles had to work just as much as their people to earn a living. 
It's only because we live in America that we have so much prosperity that we can bless our ministers. But by the way, our church didn't pay my wife and I for five years. I'm here to remind you, you got to take this serious. How many will do better? How many will take serious what I say to you? Because otherwise, this is not a motivational speech. I am not your Tony Robbins. I am not this person to try to motivate you. I'm not here to resurrect you from the dead. I'm here to teach you how to live. Do you understand the difference? And you can't do it for man. You can't do it to please me. You can't do it for a gift card. And I know those who did didn't do it for that. But you don't do it for those reasons. You live for Jesus because Jesus died for you. Jesus is worth your life because Jesus is worthy of it all. He made time for you. You make time for him. And when you come to a church like this that actually cares about you, you don't make me your Willy Wonka. I am not your Willy Wonka and you're not my Oompa Loompa. There are a lot of churches that would love for you to go be their Oompa Loompas and they will sure enough be your Willy Wonka. But I will not be your tap hat singing performing preacher. I did not ask you to come here for me. We put up here the day you came because it started this way with my wife and I in the house when I made the first flyer. Our vision was to love God and love people, to make disciples that make disciples by connect, mentor, and send, and to have a goal of 100,000 with 50 churches, 500 around the world. If you're here, I assume that's why you're here, to love God and people, to make disciples, to change the world. So I'm not your Willy Wonka. I'm a guy who sets down the bike, goes on a uh, sets down the mic, goes on a bike ride today, and is blessed while y'all struggle. I'm no different than you as a person, but I've never gone to bed angry with my wife in 12 years, and you haven't done it for a year. I haven't looked at pornography nor had sex with myself since fall break of being 19 years old, and I still got leaders in this church that are doing it. And my question is, how many more times do you want to go through 101? It's only a seven-lesson book. It's only supposed to take three to, three, three to four months. 201 is only six months to a year. You're making your decision to waste time. I will preach to you every week. I will love you every week. I will be here every week. I will help motivate you every week, but I won't be there next to you on Judgment Day. I will not suffer with you on that day. One of my great heroes of the faith just died, a peer, but I looked up to him like a hero. He converted from Islam to Christianity, gave up everything for the gospel. He died of cancer. I'm not saying bad things don't happen to good people. Bad things could happen to me on the way home. It doesn't mean I'm a sinner Bad things could happen to you. That's not what I'm saying. It's your fault for bad things. I'm just saying this man of God went through cancer and died yesterday, praising the Lord for his life, his wife, and his children, and all those that he got to see get saved. He didn't let cancer steal away from him what God had done for him. He gave us the courage to know that death has no sting. And so I'm saying the same thing to you. I can't be responsible for your life and death. I can't be handcuffed to you on judgment day. I won't be there when you come face to face with your hardest times, but all I can do is prepare you for those days. Because every day is a good day with Jesus for me, for me. I made that decision up. I made up the decision at my sister's funeral. Every day is a good day with Jesus. When I buried all four of my grandparents, every day is a good day with Jesus, every day. When my wife was rushed to the hospital in the emergency room and because of the accident that we had and the broken bones of her body, I came to church Sunday and preached, and I would have done it if she would have died. Every day is a good day with me and Jesus. There's never an excuse for me to give up the victory that God gave us. And when I sin, that's what it's called. It's a sin. It's not a mess up. It's not an accident. When I sin, I call it what it is, and I let God change and rearrange my mind to not live like that. How many want to be enlightened to power? Now, that's your decision. You have that decision now before you. Do I want to be an Oompa Loompa or do I want to be a disciple of Christ? Do I want to take serious those things that God is saying to me? And by the way, if you think this is hot, it's a hot, hotter in hell. Come on, somebody. We got to get some air conditioning in here, but get right with God. Look at your neighbor and say, get right. 
I don't know why the air conditioning's not on, but I'll help you out by putting it on me right here. I'll stay cool. Maybe psychologically, if you see me staying cool, you'll feel cool. No, I'm kidding. These will rotate. I want to tell you seriously before we move past this point right here that I can't make you do this. And I will not try to entertain you to do this. That's why most pastors won't take the time out to do this. And let me just have you look at me one more time, please. Most of those pastors are afraid of me anyways. You got to understand that I'm a peer of pastors. So you go to their church, you look up to them big or small. I'm their peers. I've preached at some of the biggest churches here in this city. They know I can preach. They know I've wrote more books than them and all that. But listen to me. I'm not in competition with them, but they are, many of them are afraid to meet with me. Why? Because I look them right in the eyes and I say, when was the last time you got away from this pristine pulpit with the pretty people and preached on the streets like Jesus did? Any sissy can get up here and entertain a group of people you ever watch Bozo the Clown? We can get you saying and hollering a whole lot of stuff. But are you nursery children or are you men and women of God? And then I look them in the eye. When was the last time you took something that didn't belong to you from the church? When was the last time you lusted have somebody that wasn't your wife? When was the last time you were bitter or jealous or so forth? You see, my friends, the man or woman of God is a terror to the things of the devil. People know and fear the God in me because I live holy and righteous, blameless. You say, but you've sinned, but I've confessed it, so what do you have on me? What do you have on me? My sins have already been confessed. I've already told you what I've struggled with. I've already told you what I've dealt with. Now ask my wife if I live in sin. Ask my wife and my children if they've ever heard me yell. Ask them if they've ever seen me cuss out of anger. And I grew up in a home where a Christian mom would beat me whenever she wanted to. Still a great mom. I'm glad she tried her best. But you don't beat your children to get them to go to heaven. You can spank them, but you don't throw a shoe, a TV, or just pull the cord like my mom used to do. My children will never see that. I made a decision. As for me and my house, we live in for Jesus. I don't care what other house defined it. I'm defining it by the Bible now. God's way, no way. You make your decision God's way or no way, but I'm going God's way. So you say, Pastor, are you better than us? No, I'm better off than you if you're not living like this. Because everybody can live like this. Everybody can put Scripture in their heart and pray it to God and live with the power of God in their life. I'm not an anomaly. Nabil Qureshi lived with the power of God, died of cancer. His reward is there for him now. He's heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's over. It's done. Life is over for him now. The pastors that I was raised up by, the men and women of God that trained me, one of them's already gone to meet Jesus. I was at his funeral on the south side. Awesome African-American man. That's why I preached like the way I did. More African-Americans taught me how to preach than white people, by the way. But as you can tell, I dress like a white person. I had a black guy. I'm so serious. I was witnessing to this black dude. He's like, why do white people wear the lamest shoes? And I'm like, I like my shoes. I literally, and then I said to him, but you're racist. And he said, he said he is racist, but that's a whole other discussion. He actually admitted to me he was racist, but that's okay. I love him anyways. But listen to me. My kids think I'm cool, though. I'll tell you this right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be 100% honest with you. When that man was there in that casket, the man who raised me up on the south side, and he was there, and they were doing all their singing and dancing and all of that, I knew that that man wasn't there anymore. His life had already passed. And I understood one thing at that time. It doesn't matter what the people at the funeral think about me. Only God knows who I was in that casket, you know, what life I really lived. And it's the same thing, my friends. Live your life for God. Don't do things for me. Do it for God. And if a pastor says to you, we ought to write down from one week to the next week 10 things in the Bible that have Scripture reference for the power of God to come upon our lives, we better take that serious. That should come more serious to you than clocking in, clocking out, talking to anybody else on your job or even in your family. Because if you don't have that right, you don't have a family right, you don't have a job right, and you won't have Judgment Day right. Are you listening to me? Amen. Are you ready for today's message? Thank you. Enlightened to power. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. Here comes back to smile because I love you. If I didn't tell you this, it's because I wouldn't love you. Do you understand that? I'm not saying you have to like tough talks like this. It's awkward for me too. I'm just asking you, do you know that I love you? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, discipline is good but not pleasant at the time, but its results are good. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't ask you about this because it embarrasses me more than it embarrasses you. Why are we not a church that ran out of gift cards? 
Why are we not a church that had the bun, that you guys bum rush me up here saying, this is who I am, pastor. I'm a man or woman of God. And if you think something's important for me, I'll take it serious. You're not my Willy Wonka. I'm not an Oompa Loompa. I'm a disciple of Christ, and we know our word, and we do it. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Enlightened to power. Now, the rest of you have got to catch up. And if you're visitors, welcome to a church that loves you. Hope we will see you back next week. But just remember, we ain't your Willy Wonka. How many are done being somebody's Oompa Loompa? How many are done with the religion enterprise? I'm done with your religious enterprise. Are you done with it? That's why we started this church. I gave up the religious enterprise. I was preaching in all the biggest churches. I had the good reputation. They didn't kick me out. I left. Are you understanding that? I left. I left the rat race. I said, y'all keep doing this. Y'all keep singing the same songs with the sinners and the choir and the music. Y'all keep hanging around these pastors that you know aren't right. You keep hanging around all. I just had a person come from a very large church, not saying we're the only ones, but a very large church saying, I got lost there. Nobody keeps me accountable. I know y'all do accountability. And I go, that's what Jesus did. Okay, I'm just keeping it real with you. They didn't fire me. It's not that they came to me and pulled me off the stage saying, this man can't preach. You go start a small storefront church. It's not like they said, you don't know how to lead people. No, 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 no. It was, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not making nurseries anymore. I'm building up warriors for Christ. Amen? Just think about that for a few seconds. If we sent right now to ISIS the spiritual equivalent of a soldier, that means we would be sending toddlers to go fight our wars. How devastating that would be. And you want to know why America is the way it is. You want to know why racism is the way it is, corruption in our government, like how many of them are arrested from the, from the school superintendent to our governors to the police department. I mean, how much corruption, how many businesses do you continually hear about being corrupt? Why? Because We've lost our way. We've stopped following God. And that's for every single people group, every nation. It's no longer a white thing, a black thing. There used to be a time where it was like, man, look at the black church or look at the Hispanic church or, or at least some of these white churches, they're good. All cultures, all churches are compromising, turning against the word of God. And so I don't care if you're red and yellow, black and white. Do you believe in a Jesus that bled red for you and I and is the God man? Because I don't care about man. I care about the God man, Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's why, by the way, in this church, you will see predominantly more uh, multi-ethnic than you'll see anywhere else because we decided a long time ago, we're not just earthly cultured, we're not American cultured, white cultured, any kind of culture, we're Jesus cultured, amen? He'll change all of our ways. So I don't get the excuse to say, well, I'm Italian and I get to yell at my wife. No, to hell with Italian culture and up with Jesus and what he said. Are you listening? Oh, well, in America, we do crazy stuff like this. Nobody gets married anymore. To hell with that. I don't care if nobody gets married anymore. She's getting married. She's getting married. My children are getting married. And if people say, here, nobody wants it, I'll find somebody who does want it. Because I still believe the human heart and the soul is the same. It's a hungry heart, isn't it, for truth? Ephesians 1.15, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. We're in a series on the book of Ephesians. Paul is teaching us that he always prayed for his people. Trust me when I tell you I pray for you. Verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What was the prayer of Paul? Read it together. One, two, three. So that you may know him better. What should be my prayer for you? So that you may know him better. No homework assignment this week, but my prayer is still you get to know God better. What should you pray for me that I get to know God better? We all have reasons and excuses to be blinded by this world and not see God. I could use you as my biggest excuse. Well, God, if you were really up in this church, then people would have done something like read their Bible because that's actually what we teach here. But since they didn't do that, I'm quitting on you. I'm quitting believing for you. See, I could use you and your failure to do something great for God to be my excuse to be a failure. And you can make your excuses. Well, this church did that, and that church did this, and these religious people do that. 
Or you could look at your life. Well, why did my dad have to die? Or why did this person I love have to die? And we could all make excuses. Or we could pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon us that we would know God better. That we would know him despite all of the problems of this world. Despite the pain. Despite the rejection. Despite the failures of people. And that's why I don't do this for you because you fail me all the time. And I better not have you living for Jesus to do it for me because when I fail you, you'll think you have an excuse. Well, he didn't call me back. He didn't visit me in the hospital. You live for God. And then when you come here, you're supposed to listen to people who know about God in such a way that inspires you to live for him more. You're supposed to look at someone like me as a testimony and say, for 20 years, if this man hasn't looked at porn, I don't have to be addicted to sexual perversion. If this guy hasn't swore or cussed, then God can use him. So I'll follow Paul as he follows Jesus. I'll follow my pastor as he follows Jesus. And trust me when I tell you, that puts the fear of God in me. But I will not tell you not to follow me, just follow God, because then that's a bad example. What I'm teaching you is not put your hope in me, but you do need to follow me. And you need to have people following you. Because we're not meant to do this alone, and we're not know-it-all. So there should be somebody you can look up to and say, what does it look like to live for God and have a family or work a job or to be in this world and not be corrupted by it? I am that to you. You are that to this culture. Let's change the world together. But trust me, those of you who respect and honor me, that doesn't mean your neighbor respects and honors me. Because I get laughed at and ridiculed when I stand on the street corner tomorrow at Wright College. I'm not a pastor with a nice church, a great speaking ability, with a great worship band. I'm just a dude asking them to stop and talk about Jesus. And then I realize how much this world really cares about Jesus. And I see they don't give a rip about him half the time. And they think I'm out there because I'm begging them to do something for me as if I get a bonus check because they decide to go to heaven and not hell. We're out there because we love them. We're here because we love you. You open up your home. Those of you who do the Bible studies, those who serve in our children's and youth ministry, you do this because you love people. It's not that you didn't have something else you could do with your four and no more. It's because you're opening up your heart to serve the people of the world. That's true success. The people at the top aren't the ones necessarily with true success. You can have authority but not leadership. Some of you know that. You have a boss, they have authority, but you wouldn't follow them once the clock goes off that they paid you a million dollars. You would say, dude, just tell me what to do here and leave me alone. But that's not the way it's supposed to be in the church. We're not just supposed to have authority. We're supposed to have leadership. Those of you men here want to know why I don't yell at my wife, go to marriage life group today and learn how to never yell at your wife and never go to bed angry. I'm praying that you know God better. Because if you know God better, you'll live better. If you know who you are in Christ, you'll do what Christ says you can do. You won't believe the lies of the enemy. Now look at the second part of the prayer, which is what we're learning today. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. You see, this very prayer is the thing that I was asking you to do. Now granted, some of you might have forgot. I get it. I'm not here to put condemnation on you, but I'm here to say to you, you need to start remembering the things I'm teaching you because these things are important important to your spiritual growth. And one of them is you have to know the glorious inheritance of God because it gives you hope. And so if all you're doing is reading the news, you're going to be hopeless. If all you're doing is going to your job and working with your customers or your employees, you're going to be hopeless. The dollar will not satisfy you. You must find out who God is in your life, what he has for you, and what he planned for you. That's that glorious inheritance. And through those promises, Peter says, he lets you participate in the divine nature. How many want to participate in the divine nature? You do that through the promises of God. So though the world around you is crumbling, your body is getting older, my hair is turning gray, you'll probably watch it all turn gray if you stick with me for the next five years. You're watching me die in front of you. You'll watch me lose your strength. Those of you who stick for 20 years will watch me lose my strength. Those who stick around for 40 years will watch me lose all of my strength. And we'll look back at pictures of Joe when he was 40 years old. But listen to me, my body is not my inheritance. My education is not my inheritance. The promises of God are my inheritance. And they never fade. And they're preserved by God. And as I said before, this is no socialism here. Everybody doesn't get the same free handout. 
You and I may be on judgment day. You may receive a greater inheritance than I. I may receive a great inheritance than you, and it will have nothing to do with position, place, or authority. It will have to do whether or not you had faith in the calling of God for your life. Rosa, a dear deacon in our church, who's a housekeeper, who's a mother of two children because her husband wiled out and left her, but she's remained strong in the Lord, she may receive more from the Lord than I have because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If she grabbed a hold of the promises of God, she'll be my boss in the kingdom to come. How many know that there's a reward time coming? There's an age to come. Now, verse 19 is our passage. Can we read it together? One, two, three. And his comparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And it keeps going far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. Notice how when Paul talks about power and hope and inheritance, he ties it into the age to come. He wants us to be enlightened that we can know hope, inheritance, and power, and he shows us through the resurrection that there is an age to come. Jesus was with the disciples for 40 days after his resurrection, and what did he talk about for 40 days? The age to come, the kingdom of God. What are you talking about today? What are you focusing on today? Why do you want to be in church today? If I said, here's the limitless power of God, what would you use it for today? The Bible says we need to use it for the kingdom to come. I need to use the power of God by the Holy Spirit to have an inheritance to come, to impact people's lives. Yes, there's a here and now that changes. As we learned last week, you can't be so heavenly minded. You're of no earthly good. That's wrong. Jesus was so heavenly minded that he changed the earth for good. The only way you're going to see God move upon this earth is if you pray the kingdom come from heaven to earth. So you set your mind on heaven and change the areas on earth that don't line up with heaven. Heaven is the lines that you follow to draw it out down here. It's what you trace down here. It's the cookie cut that traces out and cuts out the rest here. Heaven's image needs to come to earth. Are you listening? But even though he said we're to do that, it won't fully happen until he returns. And then the kingdom comes once and for all. All that we have done will be rewarded. The world will be judged. And then we'll live in eternity for who we were during these few years. You will be remembered in eternity for who you were here. Now, I don't believe God will shame any of us in eternity. But I believe many of you will have Burger King crowns. The kind of crown that we're just happy you showed up and you got something for today. But how many know on your birthday, if that's all you got was a Burger King crown, you'd be a little disappointed. You would say, man, it's my birthday. All I got is Burger King crown. That's a little disappointing. Now, if you had a whole lot of other stuff, the Burger King crown, you wouldn't take that serious. But listen to me. We'll know each other by the crowns God places upon us. And then that will be the mark of who you are, your rank, as it were, in the kingdom of God. I wonder how many jewels you'll have on your crown for the souls that you saw saved. How many disciples that you made. The treasures that you stored up in heaven. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, is there where your heart is. And the reason why many of you don't care about the kingdom of God coming is because you want this kingdom to last. Because you have all your treasure here. And the reason why many of us are saying, come now, Lord. Come now, Lord. Come now, Lord. It's because we know we have great treasure up there. Many people on judgment day will be saying, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, don't come, don't come, oh, no. And many of us will be saying, oh, yes, oh, yes, set it all on fire, Jesus. The Bible teaches us in Acts or in Ephesians, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. If you don't take the church serious, you don't take God serious. If you don't take my wife serious, you don't take me serious. How many know you disrespect my wife? you got a problem with me now. How many knows if, if my wife says something to you and you don't listen, that's a problem with me now? What is, what is this right here? This is the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. I am literally the one taking care of the bride right now. I'm literally the one taking care of many pastors, of course, around the world, taking care of Christ's bride. But obviously, obviously I'm in the bride as well. But I'm telling you, respect the bride. The bride is going to rule and reign over this world. The bride of Christ is that which Christ is filling right now. He is filling this church. He is filling people. And you can see it by what God does in their lives. But listen to me. If you want to plant or if you want to reap apple trees, you got to plant apple seeds. And the reason why a farmer doesn't look at a bunch of empty ground and get disappointed if nothing comes up because he didn't sow anything is the same reason you need to look at your life and say, if I don't see fruit growing out, it's because I'm not sowing seed. 
You can't blame the ground if the seed is not growing. It's because you haven't sowed the seed. Everything in the word of God is a seed to your soul to prosper you and to grow you. The farmer expects what he sows to grow, but he knows what he doesn't sow will never grow. What have you sown in your heart? What did you just take, for example, a week out of your life? You'll never get back. What did you sow in your heart last week with the word of God? Many of you put up memes. That's great, but did you put them in your heart? Did you attach the things of God's plan to them? Did you take enough time to meditate on them, to pray, and say, okay, I can do all things through Christ. This is cool. I got it from my Bible app. I've shared it. But did you take enough time to say, God, what is the things there you want me to do this week? To attach to the plan of God, the word of God, brings forth the prosperity of God. Somebody Facebook that. The plan of God with the word of God equals the prosperity of God. He's doing it in his church as an example so that everybody in this block, in this area, or in your life should be able to say, I was told about the kingdom. I was shown the kingdom. They got so jealous of Daniel that they tried to stop him from being blessed. They said the only way we can get him to stop being blessed is to persecute him for his religion. My friends, are people on the job that jealous of what you're doing in one sense? Or they look at you like a loser. Look at your family just as broke, busted, and disgusted as their family. They're like, Psh, I don't need that. I want the world to see what God is doing in my heart to the point they say, I want that. See, right now you look at my family and you go, I want that. Why is it you want the family like Pastor Joe has? Because God did something when I had no family. Do you all get that? I have people bring me their teenagers and say, fix them. It's too late for that, and now they got to decide for themselves because fixing started at 1 and 2 and 3. But you didn't want to bring them to church every week. You wanted them to dress up cute in that ballet outfit every week, and you made your choice. Nothing wrong with ballet, but that was their choice, was it not? Well, now fix my marriage. Hold on, I don't even know you. I didn't even marry you. Well, fix it now. We've been married 10 years. Well, what happened 10 years ago? Where's that pastor now? I'll help now. I'll help today. How many know pastors helping right now? But where did you mess it up at? Why are you expecting everything to change right now when you've messed this thing up for years and years and years? Now, is God the God of miracles? Yeah, but you better get a word and do something you've never done because what you're doing ain't working. And I'm not just talking about people being rich, but listen to me about finances. Why is it I have been pastoring this church specifically for 12 years and the most blessed people I know are the most generous people I know? Those of y'all who complain the most about finances, I don't check your giving at the church, trust me. But I can tell by your attitude that you're not a giver. But the people that I know that are the most blessed are always giving. Always. And it works in the world. It works. That's why Bill Gates and all these people, you look at Mark Zuckerberg. He dresses more lame as a white dude than I'm dressing right now. T-shirt, jeans, and his Nikes. The guy's worth $55 billion because he knows the principle. Things don't make you happy, so why even pretend? You understand? So he'll give so much away. These guys have taken vows to give away 90% and all of that. You say, well, I would do it if I would have a billion. Liar, liar. You don't even do it with a dollar. I've been tithing off a dollar before I was ever a pastor of a church because it was an honor to give to what God was doing in the, in the world. I gave to missions before I even knew a missionary. I'll bring one of these missionaries here. He preached to me before I even knew him when I was at a church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He was a Filipino missionary, Pastor Ray Liarna. He doesn't remember me. I remember him. I said, you changed my life. I said, if that's what missions is, I want that. But now I know them. They're awesome. They're my heroes, you know. But before I even knew them, I was just like, man, that's what I want to support. When I first got my job after quitting about 20 jobs between the ages of 14 and 18, I got arrested eight times. So I was just a drug-dealing, lame person. The first job I got was delivering pizzas. You know what I did? I took the money that I had, went to the food bank, bought food, and gave it away to the homeless and to the hurting. That's what I did at 19 years old. I started a church in my house by the time I was 22 years old. I've been preaching now for almost 20 years. Are you listening to me? God placed everything under the feet of Jesus. You better do the same thing. Place everything you have under the feet of Jesus. I watched my dad place every one of his businesses under the feet of Jesus. Some of them succeeded, some of them didn't. But he placed them all there. And he retired now. He lives in Florida. And you know what he did? He refired for Jesus, started Ocala for Jesus in his retirement area. I said, what kind of people are you reaching? I said, you're reaching people like in like nursing homes? He said, no, we got Puerto Ricans. We got all kinds of people. I said, no, come on now. He didn't tell me about Puerto Ricans that Steve even knows. 
Some people retire out there. Some people go down there to start a new life. This guy was from New York City. Now he's a part of his evangelism team. He does professional boxing. Wears Ocala for Jesus shirts. Why? Because my dad said, I'm not just going to retire. I'm going to refire for Jesus. See, what's your excuse? You can't even reach your neighbor. Some of you don't even want to reach your coworker. But you need to make a decision to do it. How many say, I'll do it? When we look to the scriptures, we understand that the eyes of our heart mean one's imagination and internal thought life. You need to start thinking about what you want to do in life and attach the word of God to it. That's what he talks about when he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. He's saying, I pray that you can imagine and eternalize the things that I'm talking to you about. And that's literally what I'm praying for you, that you will see them in your heart and it come to light. Imagination is not things for children. It's the things that keep the old people with childlike hearts. It's when you can close your eyes and see what your children will become is what gives you the strength to go uh, turn that wrench for minimum wage. Come on, somebody. It's when you close your eyes and you see what your retirement can be is what will motivate you to put money in savings. It's when you close your eyes and you see a generation changing is what will motivate you to go preach the gospel at Wright College. It's when you can see things beyond what your eyes see, beyond the scope of your human limitation, you see the hope of God. Works for the sinners as well as for the Christians, but we should be leading in this way. And God's power is his miraculous ability and energy. And so when we look to the Bible, it says God gives us dynamite, dunamis power, and he gives us energia. Literally, the energy of God flows through us. But how does that flow through us? He goes on in Ephesians chapter 3.16. He prays again. Notice Paul's prayers. Paul's prayers are not that you're rich, happy, your children go to college. Those things may happen, but his prayers are you know God. You know his hope. You know his power. You know him better. Because he knows if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. The Christian billionaire is a happy billionaire. The Christian doctor is a happy doctor. The Christian mother is a happy mother. Take Christ out of those things and you have no true happiness. I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with miraculous power, not from yourself but from God, through his spirit, in his inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts, established through faith and love. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together. Everybody say power. Thank you together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. Now watch this. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the full measure of all the fullness of God. The love of God will satisfy your soul like nothing else will. Not a pastor just telling you I'm disappointed. Not just a church that keeps you accountable. Listen, I can't keep a married man accountable to loving his wife all the days of his life. A wife could say to me, call my husband every day. Make sure he's not cheating on me. Keep him accountable in the Bible. Say, I can't do that. Matter of fact, I tell the, the women just the opposite. If he wants to go, let him go, divorce him, marry somebody better than him, start over. God is good. What about the kids? They'll know that you don't put up with that nonsense, and that's the best way they'll have hope for the future. If you stick with any man or woman that has cheated on you, have done you wrong, you better lay down this law. It's God's way or no way. Here's the door. You make a decision. Settle your heart. I don't take anything less than God's best. Do you understand? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his miraculous power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now listen, you can't get nothing from God unless you're asking and imagining things. You cannot get anything from God. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. Pity will not get you one thing from God. You asking him to feel sorry for you will not get you one thing from him. Only two things result in God blowing up your life for good, asking and imagining. And then what he says is, I'll go beyond that. I'll take you beyond places you've ever asked or imagined, and I will do it, not you, but I'll do it through you. Cooperate with me. It's like me saying to my children, we're going kayaking, but there is going to be a place where the river gets really strong. You trying to paddle is actually going to make it worse because every time you dig into the water, you're going to make us want to turn and flip over. Pull up your paddle. Daddy's got it. We're going through. That's what Jesus is saying. I got you. Trust me, the power that framed the whole universe, put the stars and moon and the sun in the sky, is the one that controls your family, your thought life, your finances, your health. Trust him, and he'll do greater things than you've ever asked or imagined. 
And if you say to me, Pastor, what if I don't see some of those things in this life? That's why I believe in a life to come. Let's say there's a plumber, and every day he's twisting that wrench, working for the man. But yet he has just an imagination of what he would do with $100 million. And instead of being silly with Lamborghinis and boats, he always thinks about a hospital he would start. Or he thinks about orphans that he would help. And maybe one day he, he, day he dies as an 80-year-old man, never had that money. But according to what we learned today in the giving lesson and today, the Bible says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. In the kingdom, of co- in the kingdom to come, you are now the ruler of Beijing. Here is your budget. $100 million rule over these people because you are faithful with little I've given you much see if you believed in the kingdom to come as much as you believed in this world right now you would start storing up treasures you would say my imagination will never leave me hopeless because those who hope in God he cannot disappoint some of you feel God has disappointed you but you have not lined up his will to your will God never disappoints he never fails it's just his plans are not our plans God never disappoints. The Bible says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When are you most heartbroken? When your plans don't work out. God's plans always do. Do God's plans include painful things? Yes, because God uses evil for good. Why is there evil? Because he gave us a choice. It's that simple. Do not overthink it. Evil things happen even to good people because Adam and Eve messed it up, but God is redeeming the evil for the good. Therefore, though you walk through the shadow of the valley of the shadow of death, do not fear evil. He is with you. His rod and staff will comfort you, and you're coming through to where he sets a table before you in the presence of your enemies, and goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of of your life. Do not feel sorry for Nabil Qureshi dying as a married man with children. Praise God. He got converted from Islam. He saw a beautiful wife, a beautiful child. He'll see them in the kingdom to come. Feel sorry for Steve Jobs and those who live long lives as billionaires but probably didn't know God and are in hell and gave their children more of a chance to go to hell. Don't fear a short life. Fear a wasted life. Facebook that. Do not fear a short life. Fear a wasted life. I have not wasted my life. I've given it to Jesus. Is what you're living for worth Christ dying for? He died to secure an inheritance for you and I. He died to give us hope. He died to give us power so that in our inner thought life we could enjoy this world no matter what came our way. The joy of the Lord would be our strength. In his presence would be the fullness of joy no matter what we would face in the world around us. Not saying there will not be problems, but every problem has a problem solver. And to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Can I give you guys the cheat sheet now? It's not a homework assignment. It's up to you if you do it. These will go back to somebody else now. But listen, here's about 15 scriptures you can study this week and put some things in your heart to. You want to be a witness for God and preach the gospel to your friends and family but need the power? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You want to see the miraculous power of God flow through you and put you to work for him? Everything you do as unto God, whether you deal with disgruntled customers, family members who don't like you, Acts chapter 4, verse 33. You need hope today because you're facing a sickness, an illness, a loved one, somebody struggling in your life or yourself, and you need joy and peace, Romans 15, 13. You feel today that you just don't want to talk, but you want to see it, walk the walk, 1 Corinthians 4, 20. Today you feel like you're persecuted, crushed, destroyed, knocked down, despairing. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 7 through 10. Today you feel weak, you're burning with temptation, sin seems to be overwhelming you. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in weakness. He didn't say paddle your way through sin, he said trust me through sin. 2 Corinthians 1:11. you need a mind of Christ, you need a mind, you struggle up here, come on, you got crazy thoughts up here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 says that God will produce every good thing you think about today prompted by your faith. Stop stinking thinking. Make a decision to focus on him. You lack discipline? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. You can't get your weight under control, your tongue under control, your habits under control. You can't love people like you should. He hasn't given you the spirit of fear but a power, love, and a sound mind, self-discipline. You don't know any of the promises of God. You struggle with knowing them. Why don't you know a promise about the promises? 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. He's given us great and precious promises, everything we need for a godly life. And through these things we participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Put that in your complaining pipe and smoke it. 
Tell the devil to stake that and stick it where the sun don't shine. Come on, somebody. How many believe this is a kick devil butt generation? How many are tired of getting their, de- their butt kicked by the devil and now want to kick his butt? Some of you say, I need energy, I need coffee, I need all that. That may be true, but here's what you really need, the Holy Ghost energy. Because you can be in shape and be depressed and have lost your motivation. I know teenagers that aren't motivated, young people that aren't motivated. Energia comes through the thought life and the meditation of God. Real energy. I had Bible college professors that said, I was once like you. You'll You'll be like me. I'm now in better shape, have more going on, wrote more books, and I still got energy because I got my energy from the God that I serve. Now, one day I'll say it in my mind and my body won't listen. Just like a broken guitar won't help a guitar player, no matter how good they are, our bodies will die, but our spirits will always be willing in Jesus' name. Ephesians 3, 7. You need energy to be a servant, to work for God? Ephesians 3, 7. You need energy to enable you to make this body your slave, a living sacrifice for God? Philippians 3, 20. How about this one? Colossians 1, 29. To this end, I strenuously contend, work with all the powerful energy. Christ so miraculously and powerfully works in me. Fill in the blank for that one. How many mothers right now need some powerful, miraculous energy to strenuously do the work that you've been called to do? Come on, how many of you got a job to go do this week, 60 hours, and you need to strenuously work at it, but you need some energy, some motivation? I double-dog dare you to pray that every day before you go into your job and to proclaim the grace of God. How about this, 1 Corinthians 15, 10? By the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Can I tell you the problem? Everybody say the problem. Here it is. People have a form of godliness but deny its power. The Bible says have nothing to do with them. 2 Timothy 3, 5. Now it's up to you who you are. I can't, I can't tell you who you are. But I had this scripture written down before you were here. I write, I write my sermons by God's grace on Wednesday, and I didn't even know if I would run out of all of my, my gift cards. Y'all could have just said, this wasn't for me. This scripture wasn't for me because I, I, I have power. But I only gave out one in the first service, about four in the second service. And let's just say some of you cared about this, but you forgot. There's still a great majority of you that need to hear this. You pay lip service to Jesus thinking that's just what he wants you to do, but you don't understand. You're really denying the power. Jesus said those who hear these words of mine and don't put them into practice is a fool. It's like they build their house on sand. So just coming and hearing the word and acknowledging the word still makes you a fool according to the Bible. A better fool than the fool who's twerking to Miley Cyrus. A better fool who puts their hopes and dreams into the sports teams they watch. You're, yeah, you're you're more advanced of a fool, but, but still a fool. Both of y'all's houses are still going to crash. But this is what the Bible says. He who hears these words of mine, puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built their house on the rock. Now watch, the storms came and the house stood. Houses built on sand, houses built on rocks still have storms. But it's what they build their lives on is what gets them through. I just heard another friend getting a divorce. I've never gone to bed angry with my wife. What's the difference? Have we had fights? Absolutely. Have we had disagreements? My wife confessed something to me after we got married that blew me up, but I had to make a decision to forgive. She's heard me say things to her that I shouldn't have said in anger, didn't cuss, but shouldn't have said those things. But we made decisions early on. We'll build our house on the rock. We won't hold grudges. We'll forgive each other. We'll stay up until it's settled. We won't let the sun set on our anger. Twelve years, it's worked. Are you listening to me? I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you it works. Can we dim the lights? And I want you to think about this in closing. Are you powerless or powerful? Many of you think of yourselves like this little mouse right here. And I want to be honest. We were all like this before we came to Christ. And I'll even take it one step further. I was a dirty little rat. So if God can do it in me, he can do this in you. I was a drug dealer, perverted, angry, high school dropout. Yeah, I was a lot worse than most of you. So I was a dirty little rat. So now... There's no excuse for any of us. If God can do a little dirty little rat like me and make me this, then God can do this in you. Are you listening? But here's the problem. How do you see yourself? How do you see the God in you? You get a bad report from the doctor that says somebody you love or yourself has cancer. Are you going through it like a mouse 
Or are you going through it like a warrior? They say to you Monday, we're laying you off. Are you going through it like a mouse or are you going through it like a warrior? Now listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, which we'll get to, you are to put on the full armor of God, the helmet, the breastplate, the the waistband, the belt, the shoes, but guess what? The shield, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And by the word of God, you fight your battles. When the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus didn't Pokemon him and shoot off fire. (sighs) No, when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he said, it is written. What do you say when thoughts come into your mind against your marriage, against your family? What is your response? Do you have the word of God? That's what you say. It's written. It's written. It's written. I am more than a conqueror. What God has joined together, let nobody tear asunder. I can do all things through Christ. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I've been given power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. My body has been made my slave, counted crucified with Christ, that I might live for Jesus. See, what do you say back to yourself, to the devil, and the world around you? That will determine powerless, powerful, powerless, powerful. Why do you think they wanted to take the Bible out of our schools? Because the devil said, if I can get the word out, I can make them powerless. Why did he want to get out the chaplains and still trying right now to get them out the military? Because if I can get out the word, I can make them powerless. Why is it the word always keeps you from sin, but sin always keeps you from the word? Why is it you can so easily watch sports, so easily go to Facebook, so easily hang out with your friends, but you struggle with the Bible? It's because there's a battle going on for your soul. How many want to join me on the battle as a mighty woman or man of God? Let's stand up. Give it up for Jesus. Come on. Come on. On the count of three, let's shout hallelujah. One, two, three. Woo! Hallelujah. One more time. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Give it up for Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Gracias, Senor. Altar workers and band, would you come? Let's pray. Father, we ask that we would all leave out of here as mighty warriors for your kingdom. See all of our mistakes, and we ask you now to forgive us. Lord, use us for your glory, not based on our own human potential or our own earthly ability, but on your supernatural power. Would you think of ten things right now you want God to do in your life? Come on, let's go. Let's go start praying those 10 things through. You've heard enough scripture today, saints, at least to pray through five. Come on, pray through these things right now. God, touch families. Touch incomes. God, touch minds. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but if you need to get prayer right now, you can still come. If you need prayer, you don't have to wait till we dismiss because I know some of you want prayer, but the rest of you, let's go. Come on. Come on. This is not a library. This is a prayer meeting. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Pray. Pray as if you believe a God hears you today. Pray as if you believe prayer works. Pray. Pray and ask God to do something great in your life. Through the word he promised he would always confirm. Jesus. Jesus. Let things change right now. Some of you say you're going to take baby steps. You're not a baby. Stop taking baby steps. Take a big giant leap of faith right now. Take a giant leap of faith. I rebuke baby steps. You don't know when it's time to meet Jesus. How do you know you got the next 10 years to take your baby steps? Take a leap of faith. Step out on the water with Jesus. How many more days you want to live in misery? How many more days you want to live with a defeated mind? Those of you who say, I'm victorious already, then pray for your neighbor now. Because I want everybody to get prayed for today. Because if you got this, pray for somebody you know who doesn't got this. But there are so many of you here today. Don't be hypocrites. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying keep it real. I'm saying keep it real with God. We have not because we ask not. Before we dismiss, I'm going to pray for some couples specifically. 
When I name off their names, I don't want you to think anything less of them. They could be rock stars. You have no idea. I'm just calling their names because God told me to do it in these various services because I don't want them to leave until we pray for them. But then we'll dismiss. But I'm going to start calling them out right now. Lee and Alex, I want you to come up here and get prayed for by Daryl, please. Bring your family with you. I'm glad to see Lydia. Come on, both of you. Thank you with your family. I'm going to ask right now that Lance and Melissa would come up here and pray. And you can join him as well. Right now, Augustine. Thank you. I want Billy to pray right here with Joe B. Some of you God laid on my heart. Augustine's over there. Come on, just a few more. I'm just I'm not even really looking around as much as I'm just seeing if you're here and I'm trying to hear from God. There was a few more in my heart. I want you to stop playing and pray for Lasalas and uh, Janice right here, please. Rudy, Rudy, raise your hand so Janice and Lasalas can come get prayer. Thank you. Jesus. Jesus. Let's just have you play the keyboard, Adam. I want you to pray right up here for Steve and Carmen, please. We're going to dismiss in 30 seconds, but I want to make sure that I get some of these people out of my heart. I just want prayer for them today. I believe many of them are on the precipice of something great. Even if you haven't got called up, we'll still pray for you. But let's get ready to dismiss now. Lord, we thank you. I pray for a church of warriors. I pray this week we'll be warriors everywhere we go. Remind us of your word. Enlighten us to your power. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give it up for Jesus. One more time, slap your neighbor and tell them if they can take it, they will make it. God bless you. You are dismissed. We're going to worship and pray. If you need prayer, they'll come to you in just a moment. Or rather, they'll be ready for you, but come to them as you see them available. Otherwise, you're dismissed. God bless you. Jesus, let's put up the words. Power flow through me. Keep praying, those who are here. Come on. There's an expectation for great things.
restore my soul, you satisfy. Restore my soul. 